Simon Wollstonecroft is a drummer from Manchester. His first band at school was with Ian Brown and John Squire. His second band became The Smiths. He played with The Fall for 11 years and continues to play drums for Manchester bands today. Johnny Marr nicknamed him Funky Sai. This is Funky Sai's A to Z of Manchester. Hi Simon, you okay? Hi Jackie, fine, how are you? I'm good, thank you. What have you been up to today? I've been driving over to North Wales today, to mm-hmm. Wrexham oh. and Mould, Chester, delivering, um, doing some courier work basically. Right. To earn a crust. There's not much going on music-wise, um, so I got stuck into it. Went to Commerce Quay today, over the suspension bridge, which I've always admired whenever I've been to North Wales. You see this uh, suspension bridge... It's not, it's not very wide. Mm-hmm. Not many cars use it, but I actually finally went over it today. So it's a bit of an achievement. What did you think? I thought um, it's a bit grim round here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But, uh, yeah. It's quite industrial, isn't it? Very, yeah, yeah very. But uh, it's just good to be out and about. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. At least you've seen some new sights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While you're out and about in your car. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good day today. Are you allowed... Is everybody allowed to travel if you're a courier? Y- yes. Because I know what Wales yeah. was saying, no. Well, I was taking some uh, some drugs, actually. Pardon From a drug, co- a drug company. Oh, OK. Yeah, or vaccines <laughs> or whatever. Right. Oh, so... I don't, so I, I don't like... ask, you know, I just say something here, please. You're like a key worker. <laughs> That's right. Oh, very I do, good. I do consider myself a key worker. Good man. Yeah. Oh, so you're allowed to go across the borders then. <laughs> we'll let you. Wales, yeah. Yes. I've been over a few times over the last few weeks. It's been gorgeous, no traffic. Oh, yeah, but that's lovely. All that sun, you know, yeah. down by Bala. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a good day. We're on week five, so we're up to the letter E. Ah, OK. So what's your first E? Well, I'll go with the band Elbow, specifically Guy Garvey, who I met in the last sort of four or five years in the Eagle pub in Salford, another E. Um, what a nice fella, absolutely lovely fella. He, he was apparently a big fan of the fall and his dad used to go drinking with Mark in Bury or Presswich, somewhere around there. But I do like some of the songs and, uh, you know, those big hits. Oh, aren't, aren't they majestic? Oh, they're fantastic. I, I love songs like that. But even on lockdown, have you watched any of their stuff in lockdown? No. That they've done in their own homes? No, I haven't. Oh, well, you're in for a treat. Have you seen anybody else that you've liked who's doing that kind of thing? Um, wedding present. Right, OK. What about Blossoms there? They always seem to be doing that. Oh, have they done it as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're Stockport. Stop yeah, they are, lads. yeah, went past there today. Uh, the pub? The pub. Yes. I've never been in it, have you? Oh, I've been in it, yeah, it's lovely. It's like the Britain's Protection. Oh, I love it. So love it's it, little that. rooms, you know, it's, it's small Snucks. little rooms and things, yeah. Right, well, I'll go in one day and have a look. But Guy, um, yeah, it was a lovely thing. I was doing a two or three years ago, a neo-soul band I was working with, and we'd done this song called Little White Lies, which was rather good. And he agreed with me, and uh, he said, I'll play that on my show, and I didn't think he would, on his sixth music show. A few weeks later, somebody rang me up and said, oh, you're on, we're on the radio, we're on the radio. <laughs> and he's playing Little White Lies, uh, so he kept to his promise. So, And also he got tickets from my daughter, who um, Emily, who was on holiday in Portugal, I think, 
and they were playing a festival and he got us a pair of tickets for her. Good lad. Yeah, so uh, lovely guy. I like guy. What's your next E? Uh, well, it's Ellen Road, Leeds United Stadium Ooh. now. I know <laughs> it's not in Manchester, but Leeds United were huge rivals of Manchester United in the late 70s. And they, you know, and they had Billy Bremner and the like. That's a good film. Um, do you know that film about uh, Brian Clough? Oh, I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's great. When he says you can take all your medals... That's right, and all throw your them in the bin. ..and put them in the bin, cos <laughs> you won them unfairly. It's I've, genius. He's very good, that guy. I've seen him in a few things. Yes, he is good. He um, Michael Sheen. Is it? Yeah, he's right, really okay. good. Yeah, he is. Marky e. Smith based his man-management style a lot on Brian Glove. Very, very similar. And very... his interview technique. Yes. Now, come yeah. to think about it. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And they... Well, he, he should have been the England manager, really, but he was just a bit of a loose cannon, I Not think. Marquis Smith, I take it. <laughs> well, he did do the commentary once, didn't he? The football results. He did the football results, on yeah. On the BBC How did that day. come about? I don't know, really. No, I don't. But, uh, he really enjoyed it, Mark. Yeah, I remember of course hearing he did. it and seeing it, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, he, was, he absolutely loved that. Brian Clough, you're saying, could have been the England manager. He sh- yeah, he should have been. Yes, he should. Um, he didn't get on with Don Reavy, of course, who's England manager himself. We, uh, before that is, we got a gig supporting U2 at Ellen Road on the Joshua Tree Tour, and it must have been 87 or 88, I think. I'm not a massive fan of U2, to be honest. We had a big agent called Fair Warning, Pete, he was called Pete Nash. He, he liked the fall a lot, so we had a lot of clout, and that's how I think we ended up on the bill. And to be honest, I thought we'd get stoned off and bottled off by the crowd. Because, uh, you know, we were on fairly early, but it was full. You know, as far as, you know, the pitch was completely full of people. But anyway, <laughs> we came out of there alive. Although uh, Craig got, Craig Scanlon, who was the guitarist then, <laughs> he got a bit of a bruising. We were drinking, you know, in the VIP area <laughs> backstage after helping ourselves to champers and the like. <laughs> Craig was wandering around with a bottle of red wine. I'll never forget it. And the band, U2's entourage, were coming through, you know, out of the way, out of the way, you know, pushing people out of the way as the band were coming on stage. And Craig wouldn't move. Oh, no. So this guy, uh, the security guy, just pushed him down this flight of concrete stairs. It's terrible. And Craig said, I pay your wages. I pay your wages. <laughs> Uh, and we, after that, we didn't watch you two. We got in the car and went home quick. <laughs> Me, Steve and Craig. Scarpered. Yeah. Is it different when you're the support act, though? I mean, especially for somebody huge like you two. Do you change the set? Do you just do the hits? Just um, to get in and get out? The fall, you mean? Yeah. When, no, when yeah, you... no, well, Mark wouldn't do that, would no, he? No, well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody would. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking he'd probably go completely the opposite and play songs nobody had ever yeah. heard, whether you were a full fan or not. Well, we did. We, I do remember we did Hit the North, which is, for me, one of the best fall songs the fall ever did. Yeah. A great song, and I love the video. And it was being played on the radio. And we had fun doing that video for that, you know, in Blackpool. Uh, spent the day there, he ate his wine lodge. 
with just no extras. Well, we had brought a few people with us, but there was just the people that were drinking in the afternoon, you know, who were on holiday from Scotland or Yorkshire. <laughs> it's great. They got into it, though. Of course. Hitling off. <laughs> <laughs> they had, a, you know, a warm-up guy who was getting them all going. And before we started uh, turning over, they call it... <laughs> That's excellent. There'll be some people now saying, I was wanting a video. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, we went on the Big Dipper, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, that splashes down at the end. That's a nice shot. That map, the oldie-worldy map of the north of England, hit the north. I think that's brilliant. Whose was idea that was, I don't know. Probably Mark's. You know, we had a good, good few ideas like that. That was Ellen Road with you two. So it wasn't <laughs> the greatest night... No, not really. I think the pretenders were on. I think I might have wanted to watch them, but because Craig got, you know, pushed down the stairs. <laughs> you all home. had to go. We had to get him home, basically. And I was driving, I think. Oh, for goodness <laughs> sake. In the Datsun Laurel, I think it was. <laughs> the next day, it's going to be the band Electronic. Now, Electronic. Johnny Marr, Bernard Sumner from New Order. What a great combination and what a great band they were. I absolutely loved them. I preferred them to New Order. You know, they're working with the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. You know, that pop edge thing. Very poppy, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Those two big singles they had, you, you still hear them all, all the time. Oh, absolutely. Because I listen to the radio all the time. I was, uh, I think it was, must have been 1993. I think, I don't know whether the first album, their album would come out. But Johnny invited me down. He said, Si, I want you to play drums on this track that Electronic are doing. I want you to pick a studio, any studio you want in London, and we'll go there. So I said, all right, we'll go to Olympic Studios in Barnes, West London, where the Rolling Stones done so much work, you know, over the years. It was cool, Johnny, because I think I just lost my mum at that point. Not right about that, you know, and he wants to get me out, take me out of the dump, so to speak. Mm. And, and and he did, and uh, we drove down in his convertible Mercedes that he just got, because he wasn't confident about driving it on the motorway, so I drove it down there, me and him, booked into the, um, what's that big hotel in Chelsea Harbour, nice one anyway, Conrad Hotel. Booked in for about three nights, I think, and uh, we went down to Olympic... Uh, to start recording on one of the single. I forgot the name of the, the single now. I, I, I really like it. Cut a long story short, I was sort of I, I was having addiction problems at the time. I felt rough as hell. And also I kept thinking, Mark Smith's going to find out about this. And I'm on a retainer, you see, and, and have been since I'd first joined the band. And if he knew I was uh, moonlighting with somebody else... Yeah. He wouldn't have been very happy. So a mixture of those two things. I just went in for the afternoon, put some some drums down, but I had to make my excuses and leave and get the train home, you know, the next day, mm. on the Sunday, which is a terrible shame, a big regret. And, you know, Johnny was really trying to, you know, help me at the time, and I feel really bad about that, that I didn't actually, you know, complete the session. Uh, that sort of never, ever happened before. But bless him for trying. I know, I know. And, uh, you know, I wish I'd done it now. I know, but you can only do what you do at the time, can't you? That's the thing. Yeah. So at the time, you had to go, and so you went. 
I went, yeah, because, you know, um, I probably felt pretty good that day we went. But as the time wore on, you know, within 24 hours, I was feeling a bit rough. And know. also, people can work with any band. Yeah. They're, they're in a band, but they'll work, they'll collaborate with somebody else or they'll work, and nobody thinks anything of it. Nowadays. In, in those days... Yeah, it was quite rare. You couldn't do it, could you? Because no. it was, oh, have you left the band as the band split up? It was a big deal, but sure. it's not anymore. No, well, they went back to New Order, didn't they, of course? And Johnny joined, uh, I'm not sure who joined after that. It's one of my biggest regrets, really, not doing that. When I had the chance, what I did probably ended up on the cutting room floor, to be honest. Although, uh, you know, we'll never know, will we? <laughs> OK, what's your next E? Well, it's uh, Eno, Brian Eno, who um, I've, I've been there doing... After I finished with Ian Brown, I was doing some chauffeuring this company out of Chester... And they were doing the cars for Tony Wilson's annual music conference. I'm not sure what it was called now. So you had was it, it called in the city? Yeah, it was in the city. Yeah, yeah. and it was in the Midland Hotel in Manchester, and uh, it was pretty good. I just used to hang around really and go and what talk to people until you know the, I was required to drive them to the airport or to the train station, which is what I did with Brian. You know. And Tony Wilson took them back in the back of the car and he, 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 could, he could tell Brian, just watch the girl, you know, back to London, quick, last train to London. And uh, Tony was talking away and there was a bit of a silence, so I, I turned round, because you're not supposed to interact, are you, if you're a chauffeur. Though I had met Tony Wilson before, as I was saying, at Corbiers, you know, years before. <laughs> I said, uh, I t- Tony, do you remember me? And he went... No, but I remember your voice. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty astute of him. Yes. Um, and I do believe him, you know. You might have heard, you know, remembered talking to me. But that's pretty much it, really. And, uh, Brian got on the thing. Brian <laughs> hot-footed it back to... <laughs> and I took Tony back to the hotel. And, uh, and was Brian doing a talk that night? Yeah, yeah, it would have been a talk. Or like a Q&A been, or something? Yeah, Q&A. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good things on there. They had some excellent things on in the city. You could go round to all the small venues and watch bands. That's right. That was part, yeah. of, that Spot, was part of the... Yeah, they, they have similar things now, don't they? That was sort of one of the pioneers of it. The Absolutely, city, I yeah. I and remember you... speaking to, um, who was it? Confusion, Arthur Baker. He did a talk there. He's an interesting guy. Confusion, his version of it, one of my favourite New Order songs... I think it's absolutely brilliant. So I didn't do that for very long, anyway. The uh, chauffeuring. The chauffeuring, yeah. What happened there was... <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I took some uh, Hollyoaks, I think it was, at actors for the night out in, from Chester to Leeds to a club called Space or somewhere like that. And uh, <laughs> it, got to, it got late and I, I stayed outside the venue, you know, in the motor and... Uh, they come out and I drove them back and it's about five in the morning and they've said, oh, come in, come in, Simon. You know, come in, do you want a cup of tea? You know, have a, go on, have a beer. Okay. You know, I broke the golden rule and had a uh, couple of beers. Ended up getting back to the boss's <laughs> carriage with the car, you know, a few hours late. So where have you been? Where have you been? <laughs> so, yeah, I never heard of him again. That was the end of that job. <laughs> yeah, another one bites the dust. Eurovision Song Contest. Well, when I first joined the fall, 
my, we used to go around to his house in uh, Winchester Avenue in Presswich quite a lot. You know, it was the base. One time I was there, we'd drink whiskey. We'd uh, I mean, a bit of sulfate too, probably. But he was telling me about uh, Eurovision Song Contest and that he'd written a song called Chi, 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 C-H-I. <laughs> he claims to have the, uh, you know, the formula, uh, the winning formula for a Euro song. And it was quite catchy, just a Chi, 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 the way he, he sang it really high. Chi, Chi, Chi. Please uh, tell me there's a recording of this song. I, I, I don't know, there might be, but um, he bought me a keyboard player a keyboard player. <laughs> <laughs> Little keyboard player. <laughs> a Yamaha keyboard, that's why 55 it was. Bought that from Chester as well. <laughs> Out of loot. We were putting, you know, the backing track behind this lyric that he had. Right, um, the lyric was only Chi Chi Chi. There was other word, other lyrics, but not many. But the main thing, we kept repeating this Chi Chi Chi. <laughs> and he was convinced it was going to win the Eurovision Song Contest. I think he thought he'd have a pretty good go at it. Mm-hmm. He might have done better than a lot of the other, you know, the UK accents. Probably not, actually. Well, they did try to get Morrissey, didn't they, a few years ago? Yes, I think somebody so. Somebody did. Yeah. Oh, somebody said, let's have Morrissey. <laughs> See, oh. That's when we didn't want to win, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's before he got uh, his reputation went, I know, went yes. downhill. Right downhill. So how far did it go, this Eurovision not very far. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. So was but, it just one night? The two of you drinking whiskey. Yeah, it was one whiskey? afternoon. Right. You know, okay. In the Say afternoon. No more. Yeah. 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 But he did mention it a few times. You know, oh, we should bring out that chi chi chi. You know, have a go at recording it properly. You know, with the oh, band. Why didn't you? Well, they like repetition. Yes. And that, high pitches. That, that was his, uh, you know, thoughts. Yes. About it. He was ticking a few boxes yeah. there. He was getting. I, I mean, was, hook. was he going to be the singer? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Who yeah. won't get anybody else? No, but, see, that oh. would have been excellent. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was never to be that. And it, Terry Wogan would have had to talk about him. <laughs> it would have been great because <laughs> it'd have been Terry Wogan's era, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mid eight, mid to late eighties. And you're saying they could have brought the Eurovision back to the UK, and Marky <laughs> Smith could have been the winner. I mean, it could have been a completely different story. It could. Now, Mark, uh, one of his um, songs that he wrote, Edinburgh Man. He loved Edinburgh to death, mm. and uh, he did live there after he split up with his wife Bricks, 1989. That was, and he said, uh, Simon, can you take me up to Edinburgh? Moving. I said, "What?" I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna move. I've had enough of this Manchester scene. All these idiots in flares. The Manchester thing was massive, you know, in '89, '90, and he just wanted to get out and disassociate himself from it. And well, beside anybody who's a journalist who might say, "Oh, Manchester, it's great," you know, isn't it? You go, "Look, cock, do your own work. I'm from Salford." <laughs> It was just pretty funny and, and pretty, uh, you know, correct thing to say because he's, you know, pr- proud of his Salford roots. But I took him up there. I think we first went up on a train to Waverley Station to have a look at this flat, uh, to view it. And then I remember taking him up in the car with a load of bags and cases and stuff. So he actually moved. I didn't think yeah, he ever he moved out of Manchester. Yeah, he did. It was only for six months. Ah, I, right, I think. OK. Yeah. yeah. But he loved it. He loved the uh, Whiskey Society. It was just at the back of Princess Square in a beautiful Georgian Crescent, uh, this flat. 
absolutely lovely, you know, a big green park in front of it, yeah. right in the middle of Edinburgh. Oh, I think I've seen it. I think I know the one you mean. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, he, he loved it there, um, Marky. And uh, so I, I took him up there. Who's meeting him? But at the station when we get there, this girl from who worked at Sanctuary Records, the daughter of a well-known rock star, guitarist, which I won't go into it, but it is in my book. So you have to buy the book if you want to find <laughs> out who the guitarist is. Yeah, um, yeah she, she was stunning and uh, waiting for him. And I thought, oh, right, OK. Oh, it all makes sense yeah. now. So he put me up in the Hilton for the night so I, so I didn't have to drive back the same night. But he said, here, Simon, I've got your present. And he went into, well, like a big chest of drawers, really. Pulled out this huge, heavy pair of velvet curtains <laughs> the word is to give away but he said here you can have these Simon and they, they weighed about 30 kilos you know these 40 men I was not expecting velvet curtains no they're beautiful like a whose were they they must have been with the flat he didn't <laughs> buy them uh, but they were about probably 10 foot high anyway I put them up in my flat in India house they fitted because they had dead eye ceilings in oh, Indian they house. Look, bet they looked lovely. Yeah, they did. Oh, I love Edinburgh, but uh, Edinburgh Man, the song, it was used by MTV on a, a Sunday night, uh, like the indie show. When we were around that time, we'd be abroad somewhere in a hotel bar or whatever. It'd come on, here we go. <laughs> we're on lots. So, he, but he only lasted six months in Edinburgh then? Yeah, I don't know uh, why. It was about it was the same time that we got dropped off phonograms, oh, so the money well, might have gone down. I was going to say, there's your yeah. answer. You know, it picked up again, but then dropped down again for the last few years. Uh, so how whole... was it working with him being in Scotland and you three being still uh, in Manchester? How, how was the band working at that point? Well, we never drove up there. He must have just got a plane to London or... Perhaps he got JR, who's the merchandiser, to pick him up. JR? <laughs> yeah, <do you> know? <laughs> <laughs> it's great, JR. Well, whenever we went round to a foreign country, we'd try and pick a restaurant, and Mark would send him in the restaurant, and he'd actually worm his way into the kitchen, you know, charming them, JR, and have a look in the oven and see what was they were cooking. How uh, fresh it was. He <laughs> sounds great. Yeah, JR's dead funny. Yeah, he was, he was with us for a while, sat doing the t shirts. Uh, he's from Presswich as well. So, you know, they were good buddies from years ago. I saw JR at Mark's funeral, actually. And uh, he's got a scrap me out. <laughs> of course he has. Yeah, but what happened to the curtains? Did you take them with you? No, I think um, I don't remember taking them with me, no. Oh, Simon. I know, I know. I uh, should have done, shouldn't I? You really but should. But with that big... Um, That's what I mean, it's hilarious. You castle to have <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's tall. <laughs> but I know how much curtains are now. Exactly. And I bought them since and I was dead surprised. You can pay a ton for them, I can't, can't believe his gift to you was some <laughs> velvet curtains that he didn't even own. Hello. <laughs> well, it come out of his uh, advance rent, probably, or something, wouldn't and it? And best of all, you accepted them and put them up. <laughs> And they fit her. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. <laughs> My next day is the town of Eccles in Salford. What happened was, I was a partner of the, of the fall by the end of my career with them. 
and st- as was Steve Anley and Mark, the three of us partners, we got presented with a VAT bill for tens of thousands. Basically, Mark said, right, we've come to an arrangement with the VAT, lads, don't worry, I'm going to pay it off, you know, week by week. He, he didn't, of course, and uh, they came, you know, and knocking. Basically, I don't, somebody wanted to give me some papers, this guy, but I didn't want him coming round to my lovely flat that he had in Ashley, near the airport, or somebody coming and towing my car away. So I went to meet this guy in the car park of Quicksave in Eccles, <laughs> <laughs> which they used to use in Coronation Street. That's where um, better buys. And I met this guy in a car park and he presented these papers. Uh, but I, I basically uh, got out while I still could without getting lumbered with this uh, huge bill, which Steve actually, Steve Anley caught for after I quit in 97. He, had to, he was responsible now. I resigned, you see, just in time, for it got really heavy. Luckily for Steve, the musicians' union paid half of his bill for him, which was, uh, you know, good of them. Who was supposed to be in charge of the money? Mark, well, Mark and his accountant, although I don't know whether we were, you know, he had his regular accountant then. Um, he put us on pensions, Mark did. Uh, that's how I bought my car. Hey, uh, that's good. You know, that so came he, in. He was thinking about you all. Yeah, he was. So he was trying to do it right. The gigs were pretty much empty. Around that time, he wasn't turning up. Uh, when he did turn up, he was a mess. The gigs just weren't like they used to be anymore. And what was going on with him then at that time? He'd be drinking more and more. Oh, right. More and more, yeah. Which is sad. And he used to say to him, Mark, you know, people are laughing at you. You know, just trying to... He says, I don't care, Simon. Uh, which I thought, oh, you know... But I'd had my daughter by then and uh, had to get another job. That's when I started taxi driving, you know, with the any time. <laughs> well, when you've got responsibilities, it changes everything, doesn't yeah, it? it did. Yeah, Yeah, it did. So if Mark's only <clears throat> looking after himself... Yeah. He w- although he does seem to have had a succession of wives. He's had a couple of wives, two or three, and a few girlfriends. So he seems to have always had people with him. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm as long thinking- as I've know, known him, you know... I, well, I didn't meet until 85, after this nation-saving grace, when he took us on tour, you know, the weeds, that is. And even then I didn't really meet him until I signed a contract on the back of the uh, embassy packet, on the back of the uh, sulphur <laughs> for six months. Just make sure I get the same wages as what I'm earning in the kitchens for the truck mechanics and farmers, you see. He says, yeah, no problem, cock. So, yeah, he, was, he always had a girlfriend, yeah, he, I think. It he, seems surprising, then, <clears throat> that somebody couldn't shake him out of it. Yeah, Bricks did a pretty good job. Yeah. But after she went, I'm afraid to say, the women weren't as strong as Bricks, you know, the ones uh, after her. You know, he'd always get the girlfriend to play keyboards with mm. one finger. You know, that, that was a given, almost. So, yeah. What, so it was just a bit of a token, you can be on stage, but you're not really going to be, you're not really going to be involved. Uh, so I'll just let you play one key. Well, some of them could play two keys or even three. <laughs> <laughs> but he did have ones that would only play one key, you know, ding, 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 you know, like Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, but was which that... Which he loved, of course. But was that him controlling them? Is I that... don't think they could play. Oh, right, OK. No, so, no. But if they had been... He musicians wouldn't, he, he wouldn't you? have let them show off you know like right, a virtuoso okay. 
Because he, he did like, uh, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, banging the keys. Ding, 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 ding. That's it, faster, faster. <laughs> <laughs> so, the last girl he had, Elena, I think, she, I only met her once. And was, wasn't she his manager as well? I think she might have been, yeah. yeah. I think she could play two or three notes, you know what I mean? <laughs> Any more than three and you're out. The next E is Ian Eastwood, or otherwise known as Easty. Now, I've not known Easty that long, really. Uh, it was when I first joined Big Unit. Uh, it was about seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. That's where I, f- I first met him. But he used to do the sound for the Stone Roses, the out-front sound, for, for quite a period. Uh, he does 808 State now. He'll be with them when they go back on the road. He's great, Easty. He plays guitar in Big Unit. We had a right laugh. He's dead funny. But one of his sidelines is a pottery business, handmade pottery that he makes in Fire Station Square in Salford, where he lives. And the company's called uh, Fire Station Pottery. And it's really, really good gear. Um, they sell to a lot of restaurants and shops. And they've got a stall in Altrincham Market there. They've got quite a few of their plates and dishes and the like really good but it's an interesting story because when he was uh, doing the sound for the roses back in the 80s late 80s 90s they they were doing a gig at the university of east anglia you see down there Mm. anyway they had a couple of hours to kill the band and crew and they were walking around the campus and uh, they noticed this door that was open and they had a peep inside, and there was a pottery class going on. Right. Load of potter's wheels. <laughs> Easty, by all accounts, was fascinated by this. Well, he, he took it up full time, and he's doing a really good business. Well, reckon, thank goodness he stumbled upon it. Yeah, I know, but I think that's great, that. You know, he was doing one job, and he's doing another job in between the other job. And, and, he's, and especially if he loves it. And it's, yeah. and, it's no, and it's good stuff as well. It's not like, who was it? Oh, it's Deirdre on Coronation Street. I think she tried to make a bit of pottery. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out well. Have you ever done it? I did, yeah, I did it at college. Right. I loved it. <laughs> but it is, it's one of those things that you think, well, it must be easy, it's OK. Is it heck easy? No, it doesn't look it. It's really difficult. But it must have a steady hand easy there, on the old wheel. <laughs> So we need a soundtrack for the letter E. What have you got? Okay, so my first one, Timmy Thomas, Why Can't We Live Together? My second one, Elvis Costello, Every Day I Write the Book. Cell Phones Gone Dead by Beck is my third number. Native New Yorker, Odyssey. My last one is a session that I walked away from down in London. It's Electronics, Forbidden City. This podcast was produced and edited by John. Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by Colin McGrath, Joe Brown, Johnny Smale and Simon Wollstonecroft. And the artwork is by Lee Dyer. This has been Funky Size, A to Z of Manchester. Manchester.